This is Nurse Skizzer News for the week of August 19th, 2019, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hartman Baker. Today's guest is Jialin Liu. Jialin is an HPC data analytics engineer in the Data and Analytics Services Group at Nurse. He chose computer science over medicine as his major because the degree took one year less. Jialin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. So, Jalen, today's topic is optimizing I.O. in applications. So, I heard that you worked on a very interesting application earlier this year. Yes. First, thanks to my group and my boss, I was able to join this collaboration with Oxford University, Intel, and all other great groups. So, this project is called ItLumis. So, this ItLumis word is basically reverse word of simulate. ItLumis is using deep learning to accelerate probabilistic programming. So the application we choose is from physics. And we try to understand the black box giving us physics simulation. We want to understand, given some prior and evidence and some input, we use this technology to infer the posterior probability. And initially, when we run this application on Cori, on our supercomputer, we were not able to scale the whole thing beyond 16, let's see, or 32 nodes. And we did some profiling, and we, surprisingly, we found that this application spent 75% of their time on I.O. 75%? Yes. Wow. It's actually not a computation-intensive application. Uh-huh. Initially, it's uh, I/O intensive, so the I/O is the biggest bottleneck. Wow! So did they believe before that it was a computationally intensive? We algorithm? we we didn't think about that. We didn't think that's uh, uh, I/O intensive initially because mm-hmm. the model we used, the reason we used deep learning to accelerate the model is just because it's computation intensive. The whole thing we care about is computation, and we want to optimize the computation as much as possible using our high-performance computing. Wow, so was it doing in that 75%? Yeah, that's a good question. So the application is using Python. And uh, when we try to understand the whole software stack, we found that it's not using any high-performance I.O. library like HDFI. It's not using MPI.io, which is a library that has been well-optimized during the past uh, 10 years for HPC. So it's just using Pico, a very simple and common Python library. So all the data is stored in a Pico format. So the loading and the dumping becomes the most serial and the most inefficient I.O. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. So somebody's decision to just use that. Yes. I think it's very commonly used in today's uh, Python application. So they weren't thinking in the long term about scaling it up, probably, when they first wrote it, right? I think there's a reason that they have to choose Pico. is because the data, the training data, or the data generated from this physics simulation is very complex. It has complex hierarchy, and it wants to include different uh, variables and different uh, parameters. So... It's basically it's not well structured. We couldn't use any existing library to 
easily structure the data and to easily format the data. The, the PICO library is the easiest one we can pick and uh, to handle those complex data structures. Ah, okay. Basically supporting arbitrary Python object, and that saves us a lot of time in dealing with the data initially mm-hmm. until we run into this I.O. issue. Right. But we have two directions. One is to optimize the data structure, try to use HDF5 and some well-optimized I.O. library to reformat the whole thing. But after a lot of discussion, we found that may not be the good solution because it will change the whole ecosystem. And later, if there is any add-on feature to this uh, framework, every time we have to modify this I/O formats, and uh, we couldn't basically have enough flexibility. Mm. So that's why we go to a, the other direction, which is to profile the whole application and find out the actual bottleneck. We used the C profiler. It's a Python profiling tool. Mm-hmm. And we were able to find out the exact I.O. pattern. So on Luster file system, uh, we know that we prefer sequential and large contiguous I.O. But this application generates a lot of random and small I.O. pattern. So that is the reason. So I know that's true, that uh, on Luster or any kind of file system that's built upon spinning disks, mm-hmm. They definitely prefer sort of sequential yeah. I.O. access. Mm-hmm. Now, could the performance of this have been improved by using the burst buffer, for example? Yeah, burst buffer is a good choice. But since this I.O. pattern is so random, so burst buffer, in some sense, also prefer contiguous and sequential I.O., large I.O. So it can optimize this uh, random I.O., but given millions of small files and large concurrent I/O access, we were not able to scale beyond uh, like a thir- uh, thirty-two nodes. So then, what what did you do to help improve the scaling? We did a lot of optimization. So basically, we separate this I/O problem into metadata problem and the raw data problem. In terms of metadata problem, we found that the number of files is just too large. So each training data is stored in a separate file. And that, that tiny file is sitting on the disk. And the number of those tiny files could be millions. It depends on how much data you want to train, how much data you, you want to uh, use. And for the raw data problem, it's related to the ex- random access. So in during the training, this application will load part of the data from the file and randomly. So basically there are two problems. One is the metadata problem, one is the raw data problem. And the optimization is to first reduce the number of files. That's the simple optimization. And we basically we merge millions of files into a few large files. And see hundreds of thousand tiny files become the largest file on the disk. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can see that uh, initially each file is just a few megabytes. And after merging, we have some large file, like uh, 10 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And the number of files is reduced from millions to less than 100. 
that's the first optimization we did. So that optimization helps uh, reducing the metadata overhead, like file closing and file opening. So those overhead is reduced. So the second optimization is on the raw data access part. So basically, because the access pattern is so random, and we figure that maybe we should go back, look at the computation model, how the data is accessed by this uh, model. If we can pre-compute the access pattern, like if we can know in advance which part of the data is going to access, then based on that knowledge, we can sort the data before we load them. And after sorting, whenever we load the data, previous random access becomes relatively sequential. And that's a very friendly I.O. pattern to the Blaster file system. Mm -hmm. That's the key idea here. So basically, we use the global sorting, and we sort all those training data based on their access pattern. Oh, okay. Well, that's a clever trick. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So after you did all those things, then how much time did the I.O. take up? Yeah, after those few simple uh, optimization, the I.O. time is reduced from 75 to 5 percentage. Wow. Yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah. So now you can run almost like four times as many of these runs as you could before. Yeah, and after fixing the I.O. problem, and we were finally able to scale up beyond 32 nodes, and eventually, we uh, we were able to scale to 1,024 nodes on Cori using the Haswell nodes. And that optimization also helped us to refocus our effort on computation, which is our main task. Right. Wow, well, that's really amazing. That's a great success story. Yeah. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So, Shalin, how did you go from not choosing medicine as your major, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to working here at NERSC. Um, yeah, that's a long history, I guess. So before I went to college, yeah, I only had, had two choices in terms of the uh, major. So one is the medicine, which I did love a lot. So during my uh, middle school and high school, I participated in all kinds of biology contexts. And I thought I could be a doctor, and I really love to do that. But because just before I wrote down my decision regarding the major, and I heard from my family and my friend that that major will take one year longer than the computer science major. At that moment, I thought I I want a shorter college life. I mm -hmm. so I just uh, choose the uh, computer science as a, my major. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after I started my college, I think the two activities that really helped me to be clear about my future career is one is the ACM programming context, and another one is the MCM, uh, which is the mathematical modeling context. So during those two contexts, uh, I was able to learn more about programming and learn more about algorithm and also building models. And then before I graduate, I thought about my future. So I think maybe I should go for a graduate school to pursue a master's degree. And uh, initially I thought my goal is to go to uh, Tsinghua University or 
Peking University, the top university in China. Uh, so the thing that really changed my mind is one of the research project I participated. It's called a national innovation for undergraduate study. So I applied that project, and I was able to start some research during undergrad study. The topic I chose is using machine learning to break capture. So you know those little captures on our our kinds of website. You have to type in the oh, those characters. During that project, I have to do a lot of research about existing technology. And one paper that was really interesting is from UC Berkeley. So the paper is called Ship Context, using ship context to break capture something like that. So I just download the paper and start and started to study the paper and try to re-implement the idea in the paper. And during that process, I got to know that maybe the best research place is is in U.S. And the best direction to go for that is to pursue a PhD in United States. That paper really inspired me and led me to U.S. Then I applied to the several uh, maybe ten graduate schools in U.S. and also Canada. I got uh, a few offers, and one of them is from、uh, Texas Tech. And one professor from Texas Tech、uh, contacted me and、um, asked me about my idea and my thoughts about his research. So I download all his paper, and I spend one week. And finally, I, I propose some interesting idea. That professor's research is on parallel I/O and HPC. So I realized this research is also interesting. And potentially, I can combine what I learned and what I have used from machine learning, and try to use machine learning technique to optimize I/O. So I proposed this idea with that professor, and the professor was really happy about that, and just recruited me and just offered me the scholarship. And then I start I started to join his group and started to work on parallel I/O, and then I spent、uh, four years. In Texas Tech, and after publishing ten papers, I was able to pass the qualify, and also finally defended the dissertation in May 2015. During the PhD, I did one summer intern with Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. So I worked with、uh, Shren Bana and John Wu in the CRD、uh, in Building 50. I really appreciate that opportunity. So that really gave me a lot of chance to to know different science and different、uh, technology in Berkeley Lab. And after graduation from Texas Tech, I applied a different job from industry and the national lab and also academia. I was so、uh, I was so lucky that there was a position at NERSC, which is really matching what I've been doing. So the position is an IO engineer, and NERSC at that time want to hire some people to. Do I/O optimization and to take care of HDF5 and all those parallel I/O library. So I I thought that that may be the good position for me because I can continue to work on I/O and and can continue to use my what I learned during the PhD. And the good thing is I I think I will I will be able to know many different applications 
and try to use my skill to help the scientists to optimize I/O. Well, I'm glad that your path led you here. All right, so Joe, in finishing up, three、mm-hmm. things that you want nurse users to know. Yeah, I think I want to share a lot of things. So the most important three things, I guess, one is before you optimize your application, it's always good to choose the correct profiling tool. So it depends on the application. If if it's a Python application, so there are some existing profiling tool like a C profiler. And if it's a HDFI or MPI application, Darshan is the best tool. So, choosing the correct profiling tool can help you reduce a lot of time. It can help you understand your application well, and then you will be able to know if it's a computation bottleneck or communication or I/O bottleneck. Then you can focus on that problem, and then work on the application. And the second lesson I learned is it's always good to have a complete and clear view of this、uh, complex hierarchy on HPC. So for any application you work with on Cori, it's always good to know that it's not just computation or it's not just communication. It's a hierarchy. So there are communication, computation, and I/O. And the third thing I want to let user know is to.、Uh, Is that don't hesitate to reach out to nurse experts. So whenever you have a issue or whenever you have a problem, just contact a nurse, and I'm certain there will be a experts and nurse that can help you with with your problem. Well, thank you so much, Jalen. Those are three great things. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs>